our Seraphim. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Generation Space podcast, our portfolio spotlight series. In this episode, I'm excited to welcome Dan Seppoli. Dan is the CEO and co-founder of Leo Labs. He and the founding team created Leo Labs to drive advances in space traffic safety, space situational awareness, and preservation of the space environment through actionable real-time information. A hugely important issue to solve, I'm sure you'll all agree. Hi, Dan. Hi, Leah. It's great to be here. And I'm also pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Mark Boggett. Mark is CEO of Seraphim Space, and he works closely with Dan and the team at Leo Labs. Hi, Mark. Hi, Leah. It's great to be here with Dan today. So when Seraphim first started investing into space constellations, we recognized that the success of our endeavors would actually add to the problem of debris in space. As these constellations get larger and each satellite needs to be replaced every three to five years. So we quickly focused on trying to identify the companies that would mitigate this problem. And Leo Labs was our first investment in this area. We've now made several other investments that cover different aspects of space sustainability and space situational awareness. But Leo Lab underpins all of these activities. They've become the Google Maps of space. They're helping operators, regulators, insurers all operate in harmony. They're reducing the risks and importantly, they're holding the bad actors to account. So Leo Labs, um, I'm really excited to say, are already the undisputed leader in this domain. They've got a market share that covers 60% of all of the satellites in low Earth orbit today. So I'm super excited to hear what Dan's got to tell us about the business. Thanks, Mark. What a great introduction. Dan, let's get straight to the questions. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you first got into space. Yeah, I first started with uh, some design work on a mission to find planets around other stars, the terrestrial planet finder coronagraph. So I was working with NASA and the Jet Propulsion Lab uh, in Ball Aerospace while I was working on my master's at Berkeley. That got me started. And then when I finished uh, my PhD there, I went to work for a private research lab, SRI International. And one of the first projects they put me on was looking at how do we better track all of these new satellites? You know, it was the early days of CubeSats and there were fears that satellites would darken the skies. So there was this need to rapidly expand the amount of coverage to keep track of it all, prevent collisions and the like, and fast forward it, that uh, launched us into Leo Labs a number of years later. Great, thank you. And what's the history of Leo Labs? What, what, what happened from there? Yeah, so at Leo Labs, uh, we've been in business for seven years, and at some level, we look like an overnight success. You know, we now have seven radar sites around the world uh, with 11 radars across those sites, and it's uh, unprecedented speed. You know, for comparison, before we came along, the standard was building a single radar in a decade and spending close to $2 billion on it. So we've moved extremely fast, especially by comparison. But uh, we were actually 25 years in the making. Uh, my co-founders had been working with the National Science Foundation in the US to design radar systems to monitor the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis. They eventually got it working and working quite well, but it turns out if you're studying the Aurora Borealis, you're also inadvertently tracking satellites because satellites are flying through that region of space. And so they'd gotten really good at tracking satellites, but they were throwing away all of that data. And so the aha moment was their trash could be our treasure. Uh, so we used that technology and uh, the team and spun out a completely independent company that was Leo Labs. That's a great story. Can you give us a little overview of the technology, what the company does and, and your mission? Yeah. So our mission is to protect the second space race. You know, so as you know, there are thousands, soon to be tens of thousands of new satellites operating in LEO, and we want that to be safe and sustainable. 
So we set out to build an analytics business, understand where all the risks are, where the important changes are. And the rest of the world may be awash in data, but space was not. So we actually had to start by building the data source. And that is our ground-based network of radars. So we've rolled out those seven radar sites around the world. We uniquely provide good coverage in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, strangely enough, it turns out half of the world was not well covered by these uh, space traffic systems. And so now we have that in place and we're monitoring all of the growing satellite population. And basically, uh, we sell subscription services. So if you've got satellites to protect or you're worried about, say, newly launched satellites, uh, we sell monitoring services and alerts about all the important changes, all the situations that you need to know about. Great. Fascinating stuff. Thank you. Mark, um, how did Seraphim first come across Leo Labs? Well, as I've mentioned, uh, we identified that um, we really wanted to invest into companies that were going to support space sustainability. So we proactively started looking at companies um, in this area in around uh, late 2017. So that's when I first um, met Dan. I think that we probably met at one of the conferences, Dan, if I remember rightly. Yes. And we then tracked the business for some time until they came up to their next funding round. And we then concluded our first investment into Leo Labs in December 2018. So we've been invested for quite some time already now. We've been helping the company support its growth and supported follow-on funding rounds. Brilliant. Thank you. Dan, I'll go back to you. Can you give us an understanding of the scale of Leo Labs today? How many employees do you have? Where are your offices and your radar stations? Yeah, so today we are 120 employees uh, we have teams in Japan, Australia, and the U.S., and we have a few people in Europe now, and we're focused on building out that presence. We have radar stations around the world, uh, two in the U.S., in Alaska and Texas, a radar site in Costa Rica, New Zealand, Australia, Argentina, and the Azores. And in fact, uh, we recently did the ribbon cutting at the Azores, so we're quite uh, proud of that one. Fantastic. I'm interested to know what's the reach of these stations or how many do you envision having? Yeah, so uh, we always set out to build uh, six radar stations. And so I'm quite proud that uh, we've hit that mark. We're doing very well. Our vision is to eventually go to more than 20 radar sites around the world. As the amount of space traffic scales, it's going to be critical to keep up with all of that new activity. Uh, and we'll need uh, even more radar stations located everywhere else. You know, the numbers are quite impressive. There were 800 satellites operating in LEO in 2019. And now about four years later, there's over 7,000 satellites. In fact, uh, we're expected to hit the 10,000 satellite mark in LEO this year. So it's quite rare you see an industry grow tenfold in uh, less than five years. Yeah, amazing. And what about funding? How much funding has LEO Labs raised to date? Yeah, we've raised uh, a little over 100 million to date. Uh, that's what's enabled us to build all those radar sites, build the full software stack and employ the team. I think you briefly touched on this, but what is Leo Labs doing that's so important and how are they really helping support the new space economy? You know, as everything scales up, it's extremely important that we drive safety and sustainability. Those huge numbers of satellites, they're delivering innovative, critical services around the world, like broadband internet, absolutely everywhere safety tracking for jet airliners or ships on the high seas and large-scale automation even around the world along with front page news reporting environmental monitoring uh, and the like and so this is critical infrastructure that, that now operates in leo 
And at some level, it's a victim of the environment that it has to operate in. So there's 7,000 satellites uh, functioning there today, but there's 13,000 pieces of debris that we're tracking. So there's actually more debris and it's all made by human activity than there are functional satellites. And on top of that, there's hundreds of thousands of pieces of smaller debris in that environment as well that go untracked today that need to be tracked and uh, satellites need to be protected from. One other thing is in addition, a lot of these satellites are operating together. You know, there's no sense of kind of national airspace or territorial waters where, you know, one nation sets the rules and has to govern it. In space, everyone's in the mix together. You know, every country's satellites, every company's satellites. And so there's a big need for a new generation of coordination systems so that they can all operate smoothly in and amongst one another. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for describing that. Can you tell us a little bit about the market? What's the size of the addressable market for Leo Labs? Yeah, so today we address uh, satellite operations. You know, if you're uh, launching, designing new constellations, launching satellites into space, keeping them safe, uh, and also space domain awareness. If you are basically worried about uh, threatening behaviors, new satellites uh, entering orbit, more dynamic satellites, and then also the regulators and the insurers that are basically monitoring and uh, financially protecting all of it. And so if you look at the kind of spending globally on all of those activities, it amounts to about uh, $10 billion a year for all those activities globally. And so basically a big part of what we're doing is modernizing all of that and scaling all of that. It used to be you fly a small number of satellites, so you could do kind of a detailed analysis on those satellites, or you could just monitor a few of them and feel uh, that you delivered some safety. Now you actually have to have automation, high degree of automation to handle all that new traffic. And so that's a big part of what we do. We talk about fully automated space traffic management or space behavior awareness at scale. And it's getting more and more exciting because the uh, satellites are getting more dynamic. So they're doing more interesting maneuvers, making maneuvers more often. And so it keeps us busy. Who would your customers be? Yeah, so our customers, a few different categories. We talk about the satellite operators uh, who own and operate the satellites. We talk about ministries of defense who are monitoring space and preventing surprise. Space agencies and regulators you know, who are flying uh, scientific satellites and also uh, setting the rules of the road and licensing uh, satellite operations. And then finally, the insurance industry, brokers and underwriters who are doing the financial protection. Yeah. And what about competitors? And is anyone doing what you're doing? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When I think about uh, competition, one of the things I like to highlight is that uh, we're really at an inflection point. You know, this is a second space race. And this time it's characterized by large commercial constellations, rapidly growing numbers of satellites, rapid increases in the launch cadence around the world. So actually, I think one of our competitors is just inertia. You know, if you're in the mindset of doing things the way they were done before, you're going to be outpaced by the rest of the industry. It's all about scaling and how quickly can you scale? You know, as I mentioned before, the number of satellites in LEO has grown almost tenfold in less than four years. And so if you're doing that scaling, especially at the infrastructure level, you know, like we're doing with the radars, then you unlock all these new opportunities in terms of new algorithms, you know, AI machine learning to um, organize all of this, new user interfaces, new applications uh, and the like. And so at Leo Labs, that's a huge part 
of what we're doing and basically doing some of that, uh, those algorithms, those new developments, uh, new applications ourselves, and then also enabling our partners and our customers to be able to launch uh, their own next generation of applications. Mark, I'll go over to you. What makes Leo Labs stand out from an investor perspective? So Leo Labs were very clearly the first mover in a market that was nascent, but one that we believed was going to become very large. So their, their technology was already proven. They already had two radars operational. So we weren't taking a particular technology risk. And it, what was really important to us was that, was that this was a company that was taking a new space approach to the market. Namely, that's to leverage components from adjacent sectors to bring about major cost reductions. We're talking about cost reductions here by an order of magnitude but also at the same time to provide a higher resolution service. So this was a company that was setting out to develop a cookie cutter. So their ability to be able to rapidly build radars, ground-based radars, and roll them out. So they've now proven that model after the rapid expansion that uh, Dan's already uh, told us about. They're now seeing more objects in space than any other party. They've effectively become the IBM of space as far as I'm concerned. Um, what about competitors? What makes Leo Labs stand out from its competitors, Mark? So there's actually a huge amount of noise in this market at the moment. This is a, uh, a really focused area of, uh, of governments around the world. Uh, and this has led to a significant amount of companies being developed in order to address this growing market. These other companies tend to uh, leverage free, freely available data or they're buying data from other sources. What most of them are really focused upon is applying machine learning and AI algorithms to provide a service. So in our view, this is not a defensible long-term business. The barriers to entry are really non-existent. Leo Labs has built out a network of radars. So they uh, use those radars to collect data and they own that data that they collect. They don't only own that data, they collect more data than everybody else Therefore, that this data is differentiated from everybody else. But they can also go and buy all of the other data sets that's available as well. They then apply their own AI algorithms to this increased data set. So that means that the algorithms have got a larger data set to learn from. They're able to produce differentiated outcomes because of their exclusive data. So this is a, a better, more informed outcome for their customers. But they're also always able to keep innovating, keeping them three, head, three steps ahead of the competition. So they're continually building out the network of radars. We've heard Dan talk about the plans to get up to 20. But they're also always developing on their AI algorithms. So they are really in a class of their own. And this is why they're already the standout supplier to the to the market. They've got a 60% market share already, the satellites in the Leo market. And actually, I believe that figure is much higher than 60%. Be interested when they uh, when they next do that assessment to see what the current figure is. But yeah, this is a company that is really recognized by the market to be in a league of their own. And we really don't see many other companies even on the pitch, let alone really starting to compete against this company. Amazing. Thank you, Mark. A great place to be there, Dan. Dan, I'll go back to you. What are, do you think um, are Leo Labs' biggest achievements so far? What are you personally most proud of? Yeah, I'm uh, very proud of delivering a new generation of uh, space safety. 
basically that large scale automation, being able to operate 11 radars around the world in an automated fashion, very few people involved, is something that hasn't been done before. Also, um, on the tune of uh, global, very proud of how the company has grown into a global presence. You know, we very much want to be supporting the U.S. Uh, and allied countries around the world uh, and doing that with experts in each country. And we've assembled a really expert team of people who are quite passionate about spacecraft operations and monitoring space, and they bring uh, their own really unique uh, skill sets and talents. You know, so combining all of that, the radars, the software uh, and the team into a global uh, organization is uh it's something I'm quite proud of, and I think uh, our whole team is extremely proud of the work they've done. Yeah, amazing. I don't know how you do it, but fascinating stuff. Thank you. What about success? How are you defining success for yourself and, and, and Leah Labs going forward? So we aim to make space transparent. You know, strangely enough, space really used to be kind of fire and forget. You know, you plan your satellite constellation, you get your license, and then satellites get launched into space and, you know, the regulators wouldn't really follow up or satellite operators weren't necessarily really kind of watching one another and threatening activities would go unreported. In order for space to continue to scale and be available for future generations to use, we need to make it transparent. That means when threatening situations arise, when risky situations arise, they need to be reported, they need to be discussed publicly. And that's a big part of what we're doing. You know, we're just setting the expectation that we're going to be reporting on the high risk conjunctions. We're going to be reporting on the new launches. We're going to be reporting on the growing number of proximity operations that we see. You know, if we continue to see the space industry grow safely and sustainably, that is going to be the mark of success for Leo Labs. I think that makes perfect sense to everyone. And um, what about milestones? Um, what's coming up next? Anything you can share? Anything exciting? Yeah, I'm uh, super excited about the uh, recent ribbon cutting we did at the Azores Space Radar in the Atlantic. You know, for us, it's a huge milestone. Every time we roll out a radar site, it's a big landmark in the space industry. And this one's especially exciting for a few reasons. Uh, you know, it's a, our first big footprint in Europe, and we really aim to augment all of the great work that's going on in, in Europe be able to help uh, countries extend their sovereign capabilities and have a broader reach in terms of their space domain awareness systems. It's also great because uh, we found a lot of great partners on the ground there, the Azorian regional government, uh, the government on the island of Santa Maria, the uh, Portuguese uh, national government have all been great partners to work with. Uh, and then, of course, the coverage that radar provides. It's the first we've got uh, covering the Atlantic Ocean. And that's really critical for being able to monitor newly launched satellites, being able to get last looks at potentially risky collisions to help the satellite operators make final maneuvering decisions. You know, another big milestone that I'm keeping my eye on is the industry-wide milestone of 10,000 satellites in low Earth orbit. It's, uh, it seems to be on tap for later this year, and it's just going to be an incredible mark of uh, how quickly uh, the industry's grown. And then uh, if you watch us, you also see a number of um, new applications, new software developments over the course of the year. You know, we got that uh, radar infrastructure in place, that data infrastructure, and we've been putting on new algorithms, new capabilities. And I really think that's the future of uh, space domain awareness and uh, space traffic management is being able to put modern, scalable applications uh, in place. It's the sort of thing people have dreamed of and uh, never been able to execute on. Amazing. Thank you. Exciting stuff. Exciting times. 
And what about profit? When will Lear Labs get into profit? Well, as a private company, uh, we don't release those financials, but we are hard at work at scaling up the business. And, you know, I'm very proud to say we've got a number of customers and some very signature customers. You know, we've been working with uh, SpaceX and OneWeb for a number of years, really pioneering uh, advances in space safety and procedures for managing large numbers of satellites and automated uh, connections between satellite operations and the uh, safety services that we operate. We also have been working with the Japan Ministry of Defense for a number of years as they started up their space command and um, aimed to be able to watch space activities globally. And then we've also been working with uh, the U.S. Department of Commerce. Uh, They issued us a sole source contract to be the LEO data provider as they build up their systems. And we've been supporting the U.K. Space Agency with their advances in space traffic safety as well. Truly global. Thank you, uh, Dan. And I, re- I recently read um, about a partnership with ClearSpace. What does this mean for space sustainability and, and the future space environment? Yeah, we're very proud of that partnership. And uh, being able to actually clean up space is going to be extremely important in the future. These satellite operators are really a victim of the environment they have to operate in. They have to deal with debris that was put there, in many cases, decades before they arrived. And so one of the uh, great advances would be if we could go clean up that debris. You know, um, when you think about uh, constellation operations, we like to make the analogy, they're kind of like marching bands on the the field at uh, halftime in a football game in the US. Uh, You know, you can put a lot of performers on the field at once. They're spinning and weaving around in between one another and they don't run into each other because they're coordinated. The satellite constellations are the same way. The problem is that fan that runs out of the stadium and plows across the field and runs into uh, other people. That's the piece of space debris. We got to go get that. And I think um, what ClearSpace and others are doing is fantastic going up, uh, removing that debris. And we really want to make that routine and growing. Leo Labs uh, aims to support that in a big way. Our safety data set provides an understanding of where the most risky debris is, which is the most risky debris, where the risk is growing most rapidly. And it provides that kind of financial underpinning for future space debris missions. In fact, we published a uh, top 50 paper identifying the top 50 riskiest pieces of debris in orbit to hopefully guide some of the policymakers as they think about future active debris removal missions. Awesome. Thank you. At Seraphim, we like to back visionary founders. What's your vision for a future where Leo Labs becomes a huge success? We will see large scale usage of space. And, uh, you know, two of the revolutions that I think are are still yet to come, but will come in the near future are uh, global automation from kind of commercial GPS. Once you've enabled like centimeter level accuracy around the globe, it's got to unlock amazing levels of automation for like self-driving cars, construction, precision agriculture and the like. Uh, And I'm also quite excited about point-to-point rocket transport. You know, if you could transport large amounts of cargo halfway around the world in less than an hour, I have to believe that's going to revolutionize the logistics industry. You know, we've seen with like uh, same-day deliveries, we've, we've seen consumers and businesses around the world just jump on the opportunity to ship stuff more quickly. So I think we're going to see more heavy usage of satellites in LEO and also a lot more just um, rocket travel to LEO and through LEO. And it's going to be very vibrant. 
And of course, it's going to be quite critical uh, for Leo Labs to continue uh, monitoring the safety situation and direct all that traffic. Amazing, fascinating stuff. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for a fascinating conversation. Thanks both for joining me today. If you'd like to find out a bit more from our top portfolio companies, please follow the Generation Space podcast. It's available on all channels. And um, please also follow Leo Labs. I'm sure sure they'll be pleased. Thank you very much, Leah. Yeah, and anybody who wants to learn more about us, uh, we're at leolabs.space. We are Seraphim.